Hello, 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 Davey Portman here for Post Wrestling, and yes, don't turn off, I'm not John Pollock, I'm not waiting, but we are here to talk about wrestling tonight, and I am joined with Brother Nate to talk all about Bound for Glory 2020. Nate, how are you doing, my friend? Is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted, Davey, you son of a bitch? Is this what you wanted? <laughs> oh, Davey Portman, this is... This is going to be fun, brother. I am uh, I am ready to talk about the the uh, Super Bowl of, of of Impact Wrestling, the Oscars, as Josh Matthews told us tonight. This is this is uh, the the big culmination of 2020. This is the 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 biggest night in Impact history tonight. Was Bound for Glory. It's their WrestleMania. It's their Super Bowl. And first of all, we've we've talked a fair bit recently in the last few months, but I think this is the first time you and I have ever done a show just. You and I. Yes, with, without a buffer. No no Braden, no Pollock. You know, it's, it's just the two of us. So this is a, you know, this is going to be an interesting team. You know, we'll, we'll see if we can, if we can, uh, you know, make our way to the titles, David Portman, or if uh, one of us will conspicuously leave early and <laughs> you'll, the other one will have to go through the rest of the show alone. We'll, we'll see how it turns out, brother. Yeah, there's there's a lot of very strange stuff that happened on this show, and as we're recording this, uh, I haven't seen any any kind of official news coming out. Um, but I'm keeping my ear to the ground as we record to see if any anything does come out because there were a few bait and switches tonight. Which look, it, it's 2020, and I think we we've come to expect that anything can happen this year. It's it's been a hell of a year. Um, but yeah, just some, some unusual decisions that we'll get into. But, uh, first of all, have you been, uh, keeping up with kind of your, your weekly impact? I tailed off for a few months, but I knew once, once we were getting into Bound for Glory season, you know, that's, that's when all the casuals come back, Davey Portman. That's when all the casual impact, the lapsed TNA fans, they make their way back. You know, uh, it's like, uh. Birds migrating, you know, they, they they go south for the winter, and then when it gets uh, warm again, they go back up north, and so it started to get a little <laughs> warm, and so I had to come back home. I had to come back to Impact, so for the last month or so, I would say, I've, I've been keeping up with the weekly TV, and, you know, it's been good. It's been solid. You know, it's been, you know, you, you brought up the fact that everything is existing in this new reality, you know, in, in, in the age of COVID, and so... I feel like they've been doing these shows as good as some other companies and in some cases probably better than some companies out there. So uh, the content's been good and the, just the fact that they've been able to put these shows on without having an abundance of cases, I, I think that's been a success. I completely agree. Um, so I obviously I write the impact reports for postwrestling.com and I'm pretty new to impact. I think I've said before I, I wasn't watching during its kind of golden era, if you want to call it that. Uh, I've just kind of got into it during this COVID era and I, I have been impressed with the storytelling and I think they actually, I think if anything, I think they built this uh, whole card up maybe a bit too soon because I think for the last couple of weeks I've been right. I, I just want to see the matches now, but I feel that they've been booking pretty logically, been doing solid stories, and everything kind of fell in place for this pay-per-view. So I was I was pretty looking forward to it, and 
Uh, well, let's let's go straight into the show. As you said, Josh Matthews calling this the Super Bowl, the the Oscars of Impact Wrestling, and we're opening with an X Division six man scramble match. Uh, now the story is Rohit Raju kind of snuck his way into winning the uh, the Impact X Division Championship. And he's made a lot of enemies along the way. He kind of used Chris Bay to win this title. Uh, he's been denying the likes of TJP, Trey Miguel, Jordan Grace and Willie Mack opportunities at the title. Jordan Grace even actually defeated him in a non-title match just the other week. So everyone's after Rohit Raju. And that's how this match starts. The The five other competitors are just surrounding Rohit, all wanting to attack him. So Rohit just bails to the outside and uh they go after him they send him back in they're taking it turns to to kind of beat up Rohit we have TJP and Chris Bay go at it for a while and they're sort of squaring up shoving each other when Trey jumps off the top rope with a missile drop kick knocking down TJP then Mac comes out of nowhere with a pounce that sends Trey out of the ring and now we're left with Jordan Grace and uh, Mac in the ring. So Jordan keeps running the ropes and is trying to knock the big man down, but eventually Mac just picks her up and slams her. Uh, TJP and Trey are both uh, like locked. Sorry, TJP does this unique kind of uh, submission combo where he's got a kind of sharpshooter or death lock to both Trey Miguel and Willie mm. Mac. Looked really impressive. And this has kind of been one of TJP's calling cards in these multi-man matches, how many people he can lock in a submission. So as he's got these two leg submissions applied to Mac and Trey, uh, Chris Bay comes to try and break it up, but gets locked in a front chancery. And then Jordan Grace tries to break it up, but gets caught in a side headlock. So he's now applying a submission to four different people at the same time. Grace manages to slip out of the headlock and applies a sleeper and breaks the hold. And then we have this double flatliner DDP, uh, sorry, DDT from Rohit Raju to both Chris Bay and TJP. I thought this whole sequence here was really cool with uh, the multiple submissions and kind of double team moves. Um, I thought it, it was really impressive here. Now Raju has the advantage over everyone. But Willie Mack comes back in, pops him up for this huge forearm to the face. And Willie Mack's now clearing house. We've got this huge spin kick that takes out Chris Bay. And now everyone's surrounding Rohit again. They're taking it turns. He's just getting passed from one person to the other with shots to the face. We get the Samoan drop and standing moonsault from Mac for a two count. A tope suicida from Grace to Rohit on the outside. And then Mac hits this big tope on Hilo, taking them all out. Trey attempts to leap on everyone, but TJP keeps blocking him. And then in one of the more unique moments in this match, TJP gets Trey up in an electric chair on the apron. And Chris Bay, who's the one man left in the ring, drop kicks Trey off of his shoulders onto everyone on the outside. And then Bay follows up with a huge leap over the top rope to take them all out. Uh, we've got this other unique part in the corner where everyone's kind of setting up for your classic tower of doom that you gotta have in every multi-man match nate <laughs> and grace is stuck in the tree of woe as this tower of doom's going on in the corner all around her and she sits up and just powers 
all these guys down looked great. Um, I think Jordan Grace was used really well in this match because she's one of the kind of stronger women in the in the knockouts division. And I thought this was a great spot for her being able to take everyone down here. Looked great. But Rohit catches her with a double stomp off the top rope for a two count. Um, we then get a stunner from Willie Mack to Rohit. An os cutter off the corner from Bay to Mack. A flipping drop kick from Bay to Trey. And then TJP locks in the octopus hold. There's a knee bar to Grace. Everyone's just getting all their stuff in. We have the Grace driver to Trey Miguel, but Rohit breaks it up. Rohit then throws Grace off the top rope to the floor on top of everyone. We have TJP who comes in with the frog splash to Trey Miguel. But Rohit runs in, hits TJP in the face with a knee and picks up the win over Trey Miguel. Yeah, a lot to, to break down in this match. This was, I think, what you expect from kind of a, a big multi-man X Division match there. Yes. There was a lot of kind of waiting around the outside for people to do their stuff, but I thought there was enough kind of uh, unique multi-man maneuvers here that kept this really interesting and a fun opener to the show. Yeah, this was your classic X Division opening match, you know, and, and I feel like when we talk about the character of Rohit Raju, he feels very much like Homer Simpson in, in that episode of The Simpsons, you know, a few years back when Simpsons was still, you know, close to the top of his game. A couple uh, of decades ago, I think you mean. A couple of decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I forget the exact episode, but I know like at the very end, Homer, I think it was the Food Critic episode. Okay. Where Homer pissed all the people off with it, with his food review. And, you know, he was like, uh, I, I, I don't know why, but... I never seem to get my comeuppance, and he's just walking <laughs> past all these people that are giving him death stares, and and he's like, and then Lisa's like, Dad, I think I think these people are angry with us, and he's like, never get my comeuppance, <laughs> and, and they kind of run away from from the the uh, invading horde, and so with this, I feel like yeah, you got all of these people who have legitimate grievances with Rohit, and that's why this match was the hardest for me to predict. Davey, when I was going through my predictions before the show, you know, because you could make a case for Chris Bay winning the title. You're, you know, you could make a case for Willie Mack, particularly given what we all thought was going to be the outcome of the main event. You know, having Willie Mack win the X Division title, you know, setting up option C for, for a story down the line, that could have happened. Jordan Grace. You could have made a case for Jordan Grace to win because, like you said, she did look great uh, in in these spots. Uh, Trey, I think I think Trey may have been the one who was serviced less, the least by this match. Uh, you know, given the excitement for him coming in, I thought TJP looked good. Like everybody looked good, and I almost Davey like this match was was really entertaining, and I almost used my uh, my my Pollock provision. You know the the uh, this match would have been great, you know, and it suffered from not having a crowd. But I'm going to save my Pollock provision for later on in the show. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I think we might be on the same page there. But yes, it's something that I will say, like this, this match was really good. It was a really strong opener. I do feel, though, like, you know, maybe maybe and we'll, we'll talk about this as we get deeper into the card. Like this was a fine opener. But I think given what was to come later on in the show, 
maybe we could have saved this because we could have used this a little bit later on in the night, I think. It could have been a good shot in the arm, absolutely, uh, for this show. Like, it, it started the show up hot, but yeah, I, I'm with you. The The match placement could have maybe improved this as an overall show. How do you feel about, um, just before we move on, Jordan Grace, uh, what are your thoughts on kind of intergender wrestling here? We've obviously seen it in Impact before with mm. Tessa Blanchard. Um, I'm kind of for it, because I think once Jordan Grace lost the title and kind of lost her feud to Deonna, I was kind of worried where she'd fit in because I think she's such yeah. a top act in the women's division, but you do need to break her from from the kind of title picture. And I thought she looked great here with these guys. Yeah, I'm a fan of intergender, res- intergender wrestling when the story, you know, makes it make sense, right? Like I, like, I think that it's the type of thing where you can overuse it, you know, you can almost rely on it as a crutch. But in situations like this, and in situations, you know, last year with uh, Tessa Blanchard, all of her personal uh, quirks, shall we say? Let's put it nicely, Davey. Yep. Her personal <laughs> quirks aside, I felt like they told a really good story with Tessa challenging for the world title. So, yeah, I think Jordan is a nice fit here in the X Division. And it kind of goes back to, like, the roots of the division where – Yes, it's ostensibly a cruiserweight division or a light heavyweight division, but really it's about, you know, the, the old cliche, it's not about weight limits, about no, it's about no limits. And so I think having Jordan in here, mixing it up with the guys is just the next evolution of, you know, that mission statement that they had for the X Division all those years back. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. And I did actually predict Rohit to win. I think in these multi-man matches, especially when even Chris Bay wasn't really positioned as a heel anymore in this match, it it kind of yeah. uh, like nod, tip the nod to me that uh, Rohit might uh, win this one. But we'll move on. We've got a big wedding and weddings in wrestling are always a big deal, Nate. So Johnny Bravo is set to marry the lovely Rosemary. Uh, I think this week on Impact, and he's freaking out. Um, he's got all his groomsmen. They're having, I guess it's their their bachelor night, the stag night. Um, Johnny Bravo is dressed as Two-Face. He's trying to get the yes. wedding together. He's mad at Falabar because Falabar was meant to book this beautiful castle, but it fell through. So he tells Rosemary, look, we're, we're going to have to just get married in the ring. And she's like, ah. These are all human problems. We don't need to worry about that. <laughs> and Jimmy Jacobs comes in and says, right, guys, enough of the, this partying. It's time to uh, to get ready for the Call Your Shot Battle Royal. Um, Jimmy Jacobs managing to escape his kidnap from, <laughs> from Impact just earlier in the week. He seemed okay here. Now, Nate, I know you're a big DC fan and... Um, I actually had the YouTube room point this out to me in our watch along. Obviously, Johnny Bravo was two-faced. Did you get what Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary were dressed as at this party? Yes, this was a callback to the uh, Tommy Lee Jones uh, version of Two-Face from that movie. I, I believe that was Batman Forever. Yes. Uh, and, and he had... Uh, Sugar and Spice, I think were their names, where you had Drew Barrymore and who was the who was Spice? Oh, I, I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. But yeah, it was Drew yeah, Barrymore, Drew Barrymore, and Barrymore Sugar. with Sugar. 
Like that's a deep, deep cut because I don't think anybody remembers Batman and Robin. I mean, Batman Forever. Uh, like there were so many uh, terrible slash wonderful Batman movies, as I'm sure you know by now, Davey. Oh yeah. Uh, this- <laughs> It's the opportunity for a cheap plug here. We've just released Batman Returns movie review for free on the Up Next feed. Every month we're doing a Batman film. So we're coming up to Batman Forever very, very soon. <laughs> yes, I will never forgive uh I will never forgive the the Batman people for not allowing Billy D. Williams to play Two Face like he like he rightfully should have. He he was Harvey Dent. He was. He should have. But well, at least he got paid for it. <laughs> he got paid not to play. So Johnny Johnny Bravo got to play Two Face before Billy D. Williams. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no just. Well, technically Billy D. did get his. Uh, he did get his uh, just desserts because he was Two Face for like ten seconds in the Batman Lego Movie. Right. Okay. So he did fulfill that. That's good. <laughs> so at least somebody looked out for him. So next up is the Call Your Shot Battle Royal. We see Heath and Rhino, who are pretty much the main story in this match. And am I wrong here? Did they restart this scene? So you have Heath and Rhino kind of psyching each other up for the match. Mm. And they started it and then went silent and then just sort of started the scene again. Yeah, there was some weird audio issues tonight. It was weird, right? Okay, I wasn't alone there. Um, But the story going into this match is that Heath is not contracted by Impact Wrestling and Rhino is starting this uh, gauntlet. Uh, It's it's a Raw Rumble. It's a a quick Raw Rumble. He's starting at number one and either him or Heath must win for Heath to get his contract. But if they lose, they both lose their jobs. Mm. So Rhino starts in at number one and then we have kind of a surprise debut return um <laughs> it, it looked like someone had just eaten sean davari right <laughs> <laughs> he davari to his credit like he has the opposite of what i feel most of us have done during the pandemic like he's got the anti-corona body like he came out looking jacked and swole to to uh no end so yeah wh- whatever he's been doing the last three months, Davey, I need to find out that, that that regime, that protocol, and see if I can get some of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've I've gone completely the other way. I've been eating my feelings a lot recently. <laughs> and yeah, maybe I need to get on this Davari train here because he looked jacked. He kind of... Oh, real, real quick, Davey. Speaking of uh, eating your feelings, like uh, we talked about sugar and spice. Spice, because I know there's some listeners out there that are glued to the edge of their seats. Spice was Debbie Mazar. Oh, okay. From Goodfellas and L.A. Law. So, yeah, Debbie Mazar and Drew Barrymore <laughs> were uh, Harvey Dent's, uh, Tommy Lee Jones's sidekicks in that Batman Forever film. Love it. Love it. The only good thing that came out of that film might have been The Riddler, the Method Man uh, song on the soundtrack. Right. Uh, I'll have to listen back to that. It's been a while. I'm getting there very soon. I think December I'll be talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so the match starts with Davari and Rhino they're brawling on the outside and they start fighting by the announce table and Josh Matthews reacts like he's never seen a wrestler fight by an announce table <laughs> in his life he's losing his goddamn mind number three comes out it's Larry D we get a big splash from Larry to Rhino 
and he's trying to get Rhino over the top rope. Number four, Crazy Steve comes out. And now Steve starts attacking Larry D. He's actually biting his head. But then number five, Larry D's partner, AC Romero, comes out to help his partner. They start double teaming people. Number six comes out. It's Tanil Dashwood with Caleb, with a K, taking photos of her <laughs> on her way. And Tanil doesn't want in the match. So she sends Caleb in there uh, to kind of unofficially wrestle for her. Number seven comes out and we have Havoc accompanied by Nevea and Havoc sort of unofficially eliminates Caleb from the match. So far, no official members are out of this match until the monster Brian Myers enters at number eight. Brian Myers channel channeling Kane from the 2001 Raw Rumble is going to be on a roll here. He pokes Crazy Steve in the eye and hip tosses him out of the ring. Then Swoggle comes in at number nine. Yes, Swoggle. And <laughs> we have Davari eliminated by both Swoggle and Myers. And then Myers just picks Swoggle up and throws him outside, landing him on top of Davari. Number 10, Tommy Dreamer comes out in a Road Warrior Animal t-shirt. He's got Road yes. Warrior Animal's face paint, and he's even gone the extra step, which I really appreciated here. He shaved his hair to be like Animal. Really nice touch here, I thought, with Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, very, very cool, very cool. So Dreamer comes in, and he's mimicking Animal's shoulder tackles, and then picks up uh, Brian Myers, who he's been feuding with, gets him on his shoulders, but sat down. And get Swoggle to climb to the top, and they do like a a little mini Doomsday device, which was which was kind of cute here. Yes. Number eleven, Alicia Edwards enters with a road sign, and starts trying to attack Brian Myers. Myers eliminates Tommy Dreamer, and then Alicia hits Myers with Dreamer's kendo stick, but Myers picks her up and throws her out of the ring. So far, Brian Myers has eliminated everyone. Number 12, Kira Hogan comes out with Tasha Steeles and Tennille tries to eventually get into the ring, but Myers eliminates her immediately. Number 13, Taya, or should I say Sugar, comes out with Rosemary and Bravo. And uh, we get this. Actually, this looked pretty cool. We, you've got both members of Triple XL uh, set up in the corner and Taya hits the running double knees to both of them. Number 14, Falabar comes out. Now, Falabar's story is that he stole the arm wrestling winning money off of Hernandez and apparently <laughs> has never heard of a bank or a safe because he keeps this roll of money round his neck by his chest. And throughout the whole match, he's kind of I mean, I mean Davey, to, to be fair, to be fair to Brother Ba, <laughs> right. in these uncertain times, the, the economy, who can trust these banks out here? Who knows <laughs> if they're solvent or not? So I, I appreciate Fala, you know, trying to hold on to his, uh, his funds as, as best he can. <laughs> but, I mean, surely this guy has a house, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's wrestling. It's wrestling. So we have Havoc who knocks Kira into Tasha and Nevea and Kira Hogan is eliminated, which made me very sad. I'm a big fan of Kira Hogan. Uh, 
Tasha, this actually looked kind of nasty. Uh, so Kira gets thrown into Tasha Steele's and Nevaeh, and it looked like Tasha Steele's actually banged her head pretty nastily um, on the ramp when she made the fall. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yeah, yeah, it looked it, like, I don't know, like, there was a couple times tonight, Davey, where I was wincing, and I don't, like, like, this one looked like it was legit, but yeah. there were a couple others that, like, I don't know if they were just really, really great at selling, or if, uh, like, yeah, it, it was, because uh, there were some painful bumps that, that, that we're going to talk about this evening. Yeah, I think there was maybe a bit of excitement going into it or something, because, th- you're right, this happened a few times throughout the night, and this was one of those cases. So I hope Tasha Steeles is okay and not got too much yeah. of a headache tomorrow. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, Taya Valkyrie got eliminated, I think by Triple XL, but this was just in the background. This wasn't really highlighted at all. And then number 15 comes out, a returning James Storm yes. <laughs> enters the match. Um Kind of biggest return of the night. How did you feel about James Storm coming back here? Oh, uh, it's it's always good to see James Storm. Like I, I love, uh, I love like his impact run. Obviously, uh, you know, I love what he's been doing since then. Like pretty much everything except for that NXT run uh, was his two was weeks good. in NXT. <laughs> yes, his two weeks in NXT, uh, and just to hear the theme song again, like the long necks and rednecks, like that, like. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like this is a safe space. It's just me and Davey here. Uh, like, for a good month after they dropped that song, that was my ringtone. Long necks <laughs> and rednecks. So, you know, I'd be at the I'd be at the dentist's office, or I'd be at the bank with Falaba, or you know, I'd be <laughs> I'd be at a friend's house, and somebody give me a call, and all of a sudden, I'm a beer swilling <laughs> and, and then my friends are just looking at me like why the hell do you have this garth brooks knockoff on your phone and i'm like hey so sorry about your damn luck man like this is a good this is a good song here but nobody nobody would come with me on on that journey davy nobody appreciated uh the, the the wonderful the wonderful uh tones of i think it was montgomery gentry who did James Storm's theme song. So yeah, nobody appreciated Montgomery Gentry the way I did. Well, you keep doing you, Nate, and eventually people will appreciate it, I'm sure. Um, Do you see this as like a legit return or just a little surprise because it's bound for glory? Mm, Yeah, I feel like this is just a a surprise. Like maybe he'll stick around for for one or two impacts. Yeah. But I don't feel like this is a long-term thing. I agree. I think it was just to give a bit of excitement to the to the card and maybe a, a few dates here and there. So James Storm hits a super kick to Larry D, eliminating him. Number 16, Adam Thornstow comes into the ring and now it's all just a big brawl. Number 17, Thornstow's tag partner Luster the Legend comes in and Reno Scum are now double teaming everyone and they hit this cool looking... It's like a poetry in motion where they jump off the back, but ends with a double foot stomp to Rhino's back. Thought looked pretty cool. And then the man of the hour, the the man this whole gauntlet match is about, Heath, don't call him Slater, comes out at number 18 and immediately goes for one of his leg lariats. And it appears he, he like pulls up and grabs his, his kind of quad right away. I think he must have like tweaked his leg or pulled a muscle or or something because this was pretty much all Heath did. He he managed to eliminate uh AC Re- 
uh, AC Romero and Brian Myers. But then he just kind of just holds back in this match until he's eliminated. So uh, very unfortunate for Heath there. Um, he did post something on on Twitter, I believe, like semi addressing it. But uh, unfortunately, it looks like maybe a, an injury here for, for Heath Slater. Yeah, and it's a shame because, like you said, like this entire thing was built on his story. And so hopefully this isn't something that'll keep him out of action. Um, you know, and like it, it, it made me feel like I know he, he feels bad, like physically, uh, maybe emotionally. But I felt bad, too, when when this happened, Davey, because I was going to come on here and talk about how much I haven't been into the Heath storyline. And now I just look like a jerk, man. And so, <laughs> so I'm going to refrain from talking about how much I've disliked this storyline and just say that I hope uh, I wish uh, Heath a speedy recovery. Yeah, I think the I think the thing is with it. I I keep on waiting for there maybe to be a switch that they're going to flip this on the head. But especially after that last roar that Heath was on, where he cut that promo against Drew, and you go, yes. oh. There's there's more to this guy. This guy is more than just a comedy wrestler. I've always thought he's he's been like fine and pretty good in the ring. Just he's always been in that jobber position where he hasn't really been able to show it off. So I was really excited when he came into Impact that he'd be able to maybe show more of a serious side and actually show off his wrestling. Um, mm. But this story, it's just a rehash of the the I got kids, I need this job thing, um, and it, it's a shame that maybe they'd end up going another way with him now having a contract, but it does look like he's injured. Obviously, we don't know as of recording the severity of it. It might have just been a, a tweak during the match. Um, and, but to, and to be fair to Heath, like, I feel like the role that you and, and me and probably a lot of fans uh, and, and regular viewers of Impact wanted to see Heath take, like, that role, unfortunately, got immediately uh, hijacked by Eric Young. Because I feel like the Eric Young role is kind of like maybe it's a little bit more extreme than what Heath would have been doing, but I feel like that's the kind of the kind of tone that Heath should have been having. Yes, I, I agree. I, you you could do like you could flip the not signed thing on its head by Heath just being like taken out everyone until he gets a contract. You know, yep. as you said, what the thing that Eric Young's been doing, um, but alas, that's not what they went with. Back to the match. Number 19, Sammy Callahan enters the ring. And then in the final position, Hernandez comes out at number 20. We've got Reno Scum and Hernandez with all these clotheslines in the corner to Falabar. And Hernandez eventually rips off Falabar's shirt and goes for the cash. Falabar <laughs> throws the money out of the ring and gets eliminated. And he kind of chases after the money. Hernandez is left in the ring. He doesn't know whether to to try and win the match and perhaps call for a title, which would surely mean more money for Hernandez. Yes. No, nope. nope. he just leaves the ring and doesn't even and, run. And one would assume, one would assume, Davey, he's getting paid for the match tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not hurting for money, Hernandez. <laughs> But he just leaves. He doesn't even run to the back. He just walks up it's, the ramp. The, I guess to you know, to be fair, it's, it's the principles of it. It's like uh, like uh, Big Worm in Friday. Like it's not that Smokey didn't have the money for Big Worm. It's the principles. You know, there's there's principalities here, Smokey, and that's what Hernandez is like. You know, it's not 
the amount that, that he's worried about is that Falaba stiffed him. And then so he has to be taught respect. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, Ale- Thornstowe gets eliminated. We have James Storm almost eliminated. He's holding on to the ropes for dear life. Luster the Legend gets eliminated by Rhino. Uh, Sammy Callahan then manages to throw Storm out. But um, Storm skins the cat. But as he's upside down, gets kicked in the gut and eliminated. And then just very unceremoniously, Heath, clearly injured, just gets dumped out of the ring. And if you... The camera is trying not to focus on it, but there are people at ringside kind of checking on Heath as he's lying there. Like, he doesn't go straight to the back. We then have Rhino versus Sammy Callahan. Um, now this changes from elimination to a straight-up match, pinfall or submission, to win. We have Sammy Callahan going for the eyes. He hits thumbs-up, thumbs-down, pile-driver to Rhino, but Rhino kicks out. Sammy then goes for a steel chair, but the referee takes it off of him. And as he turns around, he gets hit by the gore from Rhino. One, two, three. Rhino wins, saving his job, giving Heath a job, and wins a lovely-looking trophy in the process. (laughs) Yeah, this this match was good in spots, Davey. But I feel like it was a bit clustery and I also feel like having this match right after the the multi-person match for the X Division uh, title like they were too similar like yes they're not the same thing one's a battle royal one's a multi-man match but they they felt really similar and I feel like you probably should have had at least one or two matches in between them to you know kind of mix things up a bit yeah and I these kind of matches are a bit of a breather as well, right? You you know it's going to go on for a yep. while. Like, you can go up and have a quick loo break or grab a drink or whatever and come back and still kind of get what's going on. It I felt this would have been needed definitely later in the show. Um, but I will say, after sitting through that women's battle royal from Slammiversary, <laughs> this, was, this was like that Ric Flair Royal Rumble to me compared to that. Um, the... This was a lot better than that match. And there were some good spots here. It was just a real yeah. shame that at the end, obviously, Heath couldn't even celebrate with Rhino, which is a, what you'd imagine would have happened. These two guys celebrating at the end. And especially with that being the main story going into it, uh, was a bit anticlimactic at the end there. Um, but not bad. Well, but I yeah, agree. And I, I feel like that, that, that probably hurt my enjoyment of the match too, Davey. In the fact that we, like, there was only one way for this match to end. Either Heath would win or Rhino would win. Yeah. Because if not, why are we telling the story? And so you've got a storyline that I'm already not interested in that is getting prolonged because of this match. And so, yeah, like, I thought there were some really neat spots and some really cool combinations. Like, I really dug the uh, Swaggle and, and Tommy Dreamer, you know, the, the Road Warriors tributes. Uh, like, a lot of that stuff was really, really fun. But the ultimate destination is not a place I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested in right now. You know, maybe with you know, you know. Unfortunately, they've got some time maybe to tinker around with the story. Like maybe it'll it'll work out better for Heath. But if it goes along the way it looks like it's been going, like I'm not interested. No, no. I mean, I've been calling for that sort of. I saw maybe. Heath eliminating Rhino at the end, like barring the injury, obviously, and kind of having a heel turn here um, or the other way around and then being more of a serious baby face against a heel Rhino. Um, 
but yeah, obviously it, it's stopped short in its tracks now. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Heath, and hopefully he's he's back to action very soon. We go backstage to Gia Miller, who is interviewing the North. Um, Josh Alexander says that we have our work cut out for us, but champions rise to the occasion, and the North are champions. We put this division on our back for over a year. We reinvented the tag division. And at Bound for Glory, we are going to show that all these free agents who are coming in and thinking that they can dethrone the North, that they just can't cut it. We're going to win back the tag titles tonight. And then a very dapper looking Ethan Page grabs the mic and says, we're going to do more than just that. We're not just going to win the tag titles. We are going to hurt someone. And there's been this number that's been going through my head all day, 94, because it's been 94 days since the North last held tag team gold. But tonight, the North will climb back on their throne as the best tag team in the world. I love these two. I think they're fantastic. Mm. Their promo, I love Josh Alexander's more kind of calculated delivery. And then you've got the wild card in Ethan Page who just goes psycho when he gets on the mic i think both sound so good two local boys here as well toronto boys and they can cut it in the ring i'm so high up on the north i don't know about you nate yeah these guys are really good and then when they first came in like admittedly i hadn't seen a lot of their work so i was not as high on them as you know john pollock was or you know some other folks and so you know i was kind of like you know what's the big deal but then the more i saw these guys i'm like oh yeah these guys are really good. And even more than what they do in the ring, which is great, it's what you just said, like the way that they can get their characters across, which is very important because it's easy for a team to get lost in a division that is as deep as the Impact Tag Division, where you've got at least four or five really quality teams. Like we we saw the uh, the four teams that, that are going to be in the, in the title match tonight. Like we're not even talking about you know, the rascals, right? Like there's at least two or three other quality teams. So you're talking about a tag division that goes at six or seven deep. And so you've got to have something to stand out. And yeah, the North are really, really good. And yeah, I, I will admit, like I was wrong about them when they first came into the company. Absolutely. And these are guys that I don't want to wish anyone to kind of leave a company, but there are so many other matches that I think these are world-class, these two. And there are so many other tag teams out there that I would love to see them mix it up with, whether it be kind of a traditional WrestleMania weekend where it's kind of a free-for-all and you can have those great indie cards. Um, But these two are are one of my favourite tag teams in the world right now. I think they've just got it. Tell you what else just has it is EC3 versus Moose in an undisclosed (laughs) location which looks very similar to a place we've seen quite a few times in Impact. We're in this warehouse. EC3 Mm. is in the ring, shirtless, with all his hoodie minions. I don't know. What what do we call EC3's uh, minions here? Do we have a name for them yet? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, well, like, like, unfortunately, Impact is not clever enough to give these... uh, these uh, followers' names like T Bar and and, <laughs> <laughs> and Slapjack. So yeah, like they're just the faceless minions for now. Yeah. So uh, th- the story going into this match is Moose at kind of a TNA like celebration show, like throwback <laughs> show, 
just stole the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Said, this is mine and I'm the champion. I'm a wrestling legend. I'm a wrestling god. And I am the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. EC3 has come back to the com company and is talking all about controlling your narrative. And he's been stalking Moose. He's been sending him like jigsaw style videos. Uh, he's stolen his title. They fought over a bridge. Um, it's been very strange. EC3 to me has been having these kind of Bray Wyatt style promos where they, mm. they sound good. The delivery's good, but I've got no fucking idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know about you. Where have you been with this EC3 character, Nate? Yeah, it's, it's it's great that you brought up Bray because yeah, he's been doing the Bray promos, and tonight we got a Bray match. So, uh, like, I feel like EC3 is really, really good. Like, it is such a crime that the WWE whiffed on this guy twice. Yeah, right. And so, like, he came to Impact after that first time, you know, after being Derek Bateman and completely reinvented himself, and and was a bright spot during a time where Impact was in a bit of a rough patch. You know, him and uh, Rockstar Spud, Drake Maverick, like the two of them were fantastic together. So I was really excited when he came back. And he's he's had, like, he's looked good and he sounded good. I don't know, though, if I like this build. Like, and, and it's, it's weird, Davey, because I like Moose a lot. And I like EC3 a lot. But for whatever reason, this... The build to this feud, you know, it just kind of been there. Like, there's been some clever things here and there, but overall, I don't feel like it peaked as much as it should have coming into Bound for Glory tonight. My problem with it, and I bring up Bray Wyatt because it's the same issue, is the character work is great, but ultimately this is a wrestling show, and how is it mm. then going to transfer to the ring? And... That's where the disconnect is for me. No, I'm not even, I'm not saying EC3 is a bad wrestler. I'm not saying Bray Wyatt is, but how does this character work going forward yep. in an actual wrestling match and telling a story in the ring? And this is where this match was very confusing to me as well. I, I listened to EC3 on Chris Jericho's podcast where, uh, where he was saying about this character and how he kind of pitched it in WWE. And it's, it's very much his idea and I think sometimes, and this is the case with Bray Wyatt too, that maybe they get a bit too much rain and you need mm. someone to kind of streamline it into a narrative that is actually, you can actually follow from an audience's point of view. Um, but I wish the best for EC3. I really hope this all works out. But this is an interesting match we're going into. Uh, we have a song called Through Your Open Door by Joaquin Plossu and Andrew Dunn. Thank you, Shazam. Uh, this is the <laughs> score for this match. So Moose shows up with the TNA title and all the uh, minions of EC3 are surrounding the ring. They're banging on the ring and EC3 steps from the bleachers wearing his hood. The music's building up. They go face to face. <laughs> they square up and they start to brawl. Moose hits an Uranagi. We get an exploder suplex from EC3 and Moose kicks EC3 low. Uh, we get all the kind of turnbuckles are exposed and we've got EC3 going headfirst into the exposed turnbuckle. EC3 is now a bloody mess. You get Moose delivering these big forearms 
And Moose is all in his kind of white get-up, like white tank top, white jeans. So obviously, you know, colour's going to happen because uh, all the blood from EC3 just going over his uh, pristine white clothes here. EC3 starts laughing during the beatdown. So Moose gets a steel chair and he starts talking. He goes, I have a question. I need answers. Why have you been tormenting me? EC3, answer my questions. And EC3 tackles him down. And this was a side I really liked from EC3 that I haven't seen from him before. It was like a really savage takedown and just beat down on Moose. And EC3's going, come on, come on. Moose kicks him down and uh, EC3 slams Moose, Moose's head against the steps. Uh, EC3 starting talking about the road to enlightenment and purpose and meaning. They're throwing each other against the guardrail. Moose goes headfirst into the ring post. Um, there's the title in the middle of the ring, which... Uh, Moose is reaching for an EC3 steps on it and starts saying that this doesn't belong to you. This belongs to all the old people, all the greats that held it and made this company something. If you want to be a champion, Moose, become a champion. Become Moose, an animal, a living legend, a wrestling god. Become that and you can hold this title. EC3 sets him up the one percenter and we get flashbacks of all of ec3's kind of old highlights in tna impact wrestling and moose is able to break out hits the no jackhammer needed spear moose picks up the title and moose starts nailing ec3 in the head and as he's nailing him we're getting flashbacks of everything ec3 has put moose through he's punching down on ec3 he goes, answer me, you stupid son of a bitch. Is this what you want? And EC3 yells, yes. And all of EC3's minions start chanting, moose, moose, moose. And EC3, like a conductor, stops them and says, control your narrative. Moose replies, thank you. Wax him again with the TNA title and wins whatever this is. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, like I, I think we've I figured out a name for the minions. Uh, we'll, we can call them the Lost Boys because they were doing, like at various points, they were beating against the ring and in various tempos. And it reminded me of Pan. With with Rob or Hook with Robin with Williams, Robin, okay, and then Rufio, 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 <laughs> oh, and then, then like that's what it reminded me of. So he, so we got the Lost Boys around the ring. Then we get like, first of all, I don't know about you, Davey, but this, and it's funny because the first comment we get from Josh when this is over is that was dark, and that's what I thought, but not because of the tone, but because of the contrast on my screen. Like at times, it was hard to see the action mm. because of the way it was shot. And I get that they were going for this cinematic, you know, this, this noir look almost, but it didn't help to highlight the action. Uh, so like the match itself, quote unquote, the match uh, was just a brawl, but I did like the, the very end. Like I thought it was interesting when, you know, uh, when, when EC3 reveals his master plan, I guess, 
that this was all a setup to bring back the real moose. Uh, like, I don't know where they go. Like, I know where they go with, go from here with moose. Like we're going to get an aggressive moose. We're going to get, you know, kind of a back to basics moose. I don't know where they go with EC3 from this though, because it, like it felt like a write-off almost because you had like the the Lost Boys carry him out, mm. uh, almost like Undertaker Druid style. You know, once uh, Moose had, had vanquished him, so I don't know where you go with EC3 from here. Yeah, I'm like I was getting during this match kind of J.K. Simmons Whiplash vibes, like EC3 is mm. being cruel to be kind to get the <laughs> the very best out of Moose, but he's got to torture him emotionally and physically to get moose to that stage like it made me wonder if we're gonna have these two kind of paired up with ec3 in more of a sort of managerial role which just seems very very odd um but does this now kind of legitimize the tna championship because moose has earned it is he still going to carry around with that title but it's now official um i am interested where they go from here but I know EC3 just recently showed up on ROH, I believe. So yes. may- maybe this is a mini write-off for him to kind of explore other things for a bit before he makes his big comeback. Um, yeah, because I do think you need space. Like, you just can't go from this to him just showing up next week on Impact just as a regular wrestler. Like, I do no. feel like there's got to be some space. And I would say Moose maybe just needs to go for the Impact title now. Um, yeah. obviously skipping ahead with you got your big baby face winning the title at the end of the show uh, maybe that's the direction you'd go in uh, with Moose trying to now claim the actual championship but Nate are you ready for a bit of an impact debut I'm not sure if you're familiar with this guy I'm not sure if you, you talk about this guy much but there's some little actor called Dwayne Dwayne The Rock Johnson making his Impact debut. (laughs) That's right. The Rock on Impact inducting Ken Shamrock into the Hall of Fame. He calls Shamrock his brother, gives him a big congratulations and thanks him for the memories and being an Mm. awesome dude. And he goes, you were there sort of like towards the start of my career. You were there for me when I really needed it. Thank you. And I've got you some Terramana tequila coming your way. (laughs) <laughs> and then we go, we see a little clip uh, showing Ken Shamrock's induction. I think we were talking in the watch along here. I reckon Shamrock, many, many years ago, handcuffed in the middle of the ring, the rock tearing off in his head with his steel chair. Shamrock went, yeah, you owe me one. And I think he's called in that favor <laughs> tonight. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, yeah, I, I think... Um... Like, this is one instance where the state of the world actually helped legitimize this segment. Because I feel like if it, if these were normal times, if this was the before time, Davey, and you had The Rock kind of film this in, it, it might come off as, you know, kind of cheesy. Mm. But because, like, we know people aren't traveling like they like they usually do or or they're not supposed to be traveling <laughs> like they usually do. And we know The Rock has already overcome a a bout with uh, the Rona. Like, I feel like that makes this feel more natural. Yeah. You know, because we're used to seeing people on Zooms more often. We're used to, you know, watching the nightly news and half of the news is people talking on computer screens. So I feel like that kind of added some legitimacy to this. And and it was a really nice move by uh, 
by DJ to, to show some love to uh, Shamrock here. Absolutely. No, I, I'm completely with you here because knowing, knowing the way Impact is, if this was in front of a crowd, they'd have been hyping this up as if Rocky was there. <laughs> and then yes. just getting a call in video, <laughs> you'd have some disappointment. But this was to be expected. <laughs> But, he would have been on the poster, like the rocket bound for glory. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations to Ken Shamrock on his Hall of Fame induction. Yes. So, and that brings us to our next match. Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock has recently turned heel and joined longtime rival Sammy Callahan, And he just wants to break people's ankles. He, and he does not like Eddie Edwards. And that's the match we're going to. Shamrock wants to kind of start the match uh, pretty much like a boxing match. He's in that boxing stance. He's trying to kind of goad Edwards into working that kind of style. And Shamrock's throwing some fists here. Um, Edwards is trying to kind of run low and take Shamrock down, but Shamrock knees him in the face. They work a real MMA style at the beginning of this match. They're going for uh, different submissions and pin attempts. Shamrock just beating Edwards down. Uh, Edwards manages to turn him around and goes for an armbar of his own and starts getting the advantage on Shamrock. But Shamrock is able to catch him with a knee bar, but Edwards gets to the ropes. They then go to the outside for some brawling out there. We get a stiff kick to the back of Edwards, followed by a knee to the face. Eddie starts working the leg of Shamrock by hitting some dragon screws. We get a tope suicida from Edwards to Shamrock, and this takes out Sammy Callahan as well. We get a missile dropkick from Edwards, followed by the Tiger Driver, and Shamrock manages to kick out and turns it into a triangle hold. We get the backpack stunner from Edwards, but Shamrock keeps his legs wrapped round and applies a sleeper, which Edwards just does a back headbutt, which actually looked like it kind of rocked Shamrock here. We get more and more headbutts from Edwards. Edwards sets up for the Boston knee party. He hits it but wants to make Shamrock tap. So he applies the half Boston crab as Callahan gets on the apron with his mobile phone and <laughs> hacks into the system, turning the lights off. When the lights come back on, Callahan is in the middle of the ring with the baseball bat that Eddie Edwards knows very, very well. But Edwards has Kenny the kendo stick with him. But he's so distracted that he forgets that Shamrock is right behind him, turns him right round, Belly to belly, and then the ankle lock, and Ed Edwards taps out. Yeah, I thought it was better than it had any right to be, Davey. I, think I completely that, agree. <laughs> on paper, like, I was not looking forward to this at all, but I think they've been, like, they've been really smart about the way that they've used Shamrock, and I was talking with somebody earlier this this week, you could make the argument that Shamrock's latest run, like the last year or so in Impact, has been better than his initial run when he was the first NWA TNA world champion. Like, because that run was just so underwhelming because you had a high expectations. And now, you know, in 2020, you don't have those high expectations for Ken Shamrock. You just got, you know, like he's... He's an old guy, you know, yeah. what's, what's he going to do? And he comes out and he like he looks like a million bucks for starters. And then he actually goes out there and puts on a credible match. I think uh, Eddie is a good opponent for him. And they were kind of smart to make this a bit more uh, MMA uh, based. Uh, they did Ken Strang. 
I like the teaming, the pairing with Sammy and, and Shamrock. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about this, and I haven't liked it during this whole build, is you can get away with the mobile phone gimmick once. But after that, like, what is Impact Wrestling IT doing? Like, how is man allowed to hack through their systems and, and, and mess power? <laughs> yeah, it's someone should just be like, Sammy, check your phone in. <laughs> Put it in a bag. You get it at the end of the show. You're not to be trusted here. Uh, yeah, I'm completely with you. This completely over-delivered to me. I was expecting Impact keep on doing it, especially Sammy Callahan matches, especially Shamrock matches, and especially mm-hmm. Eddie Edwards matches. Start in the ring. Within a minute, they're brawling on the outside. And in this era where you have no crowd there, it's really boring. These brawls and throwing against the ring guards... With with no crowd reacting to it, it's so dull. And that's completely what I was expecting in this match because it's what they've done in every other match they've had. And actually working this sort of MMA style, I think it really worked for both of them. It made Shamrock look a darn sight better than he has in a long time. It made the match different from the rest of the show. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed this. I, I thought this was so much better than it had any right to be. Yeah, and Eddie is uh, you know, he's a guy that you can throw your match, and, and I was more than decent. Said it exceeded my expectations. Absolutely. Sorry, Nate, you just cut out a little bit there. Um, so hopefully that doesn't continue. But let us continue now. We're going to. But he's got his mobile phone out again. Yeah, I, that's what it is. It's Sammy Callahan. We're giving too much credit to this match. He wants to put an end to it. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, we go to the tag team championship match. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton versus the North versus the Good Brothers versus the Motor City Machine Guns. As the North is making their... Sorry, as the Machine Guns are making their entrance, the North attack them from behind and Josh Alexander hits this beautiful butterfly pile driver to Alex Shelley on the stage, taking him completely out of the match. Uh, You have the referees coming down. You've got Scott Damore and Jimmy Jacobs out there checking on Shelley. They take Shelley to the back and the ref just goes to Sabin. Well, you've got to wrestle on your own then. (laughs) I'd be like, fuck that. We'll rearrange. (laughs) <laughs> exactly like this is gonna be a non-title match how about that it's like wait uh, sorry i'm competing on my own against six other guys no yeah. no we'll we'll fight on impact on wednesday instead <laughs> I, I thought this was a really interesting way to start this match and it set up a, a a good story for the announcers to get across and for the wrestlers to get across in the ring of Saban trying to do his part to hold up the the honor of the machine guns yes so it's the machine guns defending but obviously it's just chris saban here on his own saban decides to go to the ring and unfortunately he's got to start the match off as well <laughs> like that's mean right you could at least go yeah you can be on the apron you don't have to be the first legal guy in this match but <laughs> saban starts the match it's him and the north just double teaming him to start with Austin tags himself in and starts beating down on Sabin. Fulton gets tagged in and Austin and Fulton are double teaming Sabin. 
Uh, Page is turned, tagged back in and is working away. It's all just everyone, the North and uh, Austin Fulton just beating down on Chris Saban and the Good Brothers aren't able to get tagged in. Um, yeah, there was a really cool spot real quick, Davey, because uh, I, I want to give him credit for that, uh, where I thought that uh, Austin and, and Fulton were going to set up for like a poetry in motion. And Austin came over Fulton's back with this crazy kick uh, and, and uh, threw Saban into the corner. I was like, that was a that's a neat little move right there. Like they've got, I think out of the four teams, they're probably the ones you have the least expectations for, but they're actually a really good combination. They've actually started to come into their own a bit more. Um, I, I enjoy Ace Austin and I, I see him more as a singles guy and this just being a momentary thing um, mm. as a tag team, but they've started working out some pretty cool uh, double team moves with their size difference. There was, there was a bit where like Austin almost like arm drags, uh, Fulton into like a rolling senton yes. on Sabin, which looked really cool as well. Um, so it's for a long time in this match, it's all Sabin just being beaten down by everyone. Eventually, he's able to roll through and hits a spike DDT to Fulton and makes the tag to Carl Anderson, who comes in hitting a spine buster. He tags Doc Gallows back in. And Fulton and Gallows are now going at it. The two big men. Gallows is taking out everyone. And Chris Saban, having been out of the match for about 40 seconds, decides to tag himself back in. <laughs> Hits a double crossbody to the north. Tope Suicida to Gallows. Crossbody to Anderson, which is then rolled through by Anderson into a pin attempt. Uh, Anderson and Saban are now going at it. Have a really nice exchange. Um, and Austin then leaps in with a huge cross body, but eats a drop kick. And Chris Sabin's just firing up, cleaning house, hitting a PK on the apron, a somersault sent onto Alexander on the outside. And now Austin and Sabin are the two legal men. Sabin hits a kind of modified Samoan driver, but uh, Page breaks the count. The North are now double teaming Sabin. We get a near fall. Austin goes on to Fulton's shoulders, and we've seen him do this before, where he kind of stands on the big man's shoulders, jumping off. But as he's in that electric chair position, the North start attacking Fulton with mm. right hands, with kicks, and just chopping the big man down as Austin is still on his shoulders. I thought this, this spot looked really cool here. Yeah. We've got the Good Brothers come in, who go for the magic killer to Alexander, but it's blocked. Carl Anderson goes for the gun stun, but that's also blocked. And as he gets pushed into the ropes, Ethan Page hits him in the face with the tag title. And the North pick up the win and become your tag champions once again. Yeah, I thought this was a really, really solid match. It was one of the ones, like, I, I came into the night looking for three things. Then that was a good world title match, a good knockouts title match, and then this match being really good. And uh, we'll talk in a bit about the other two, but this certainly uh, lived up to my expectations. I I thought that they did a great job of portraying Chris Saban as this heroic underdog babyface uh, in there with ostensibly six heels, even though I guess the good, the, uh, good brothers are kind of they're kind of a shade of gray. They're in that tweener uh, role right now, yeah. Yes. 
They're they're in that Russo shade of gray. You know, <laughs> listen, bro. Sometimes they do bad things, but then they're really cool too. Like Josh Matthews tried to tell us. Uh, but I, I feel like uh, if because because my my question coming into this match, Davy, and it's a question that I kind of had with EC3 is how long are the machine guns going to stick around? Mm. And if they're not going to be around for long, like if they're wrapping things up now, then I think this was the right way to go because, you know, you can tell the story of Shelly was taken out and we can have the rematch, you know, uh, uh, and that can close out 2020. And then, you know, the machine guns can kind of go on their way. Uh, But if they're sticking around, this is interesting because I really liked uh, seeing Shelly and Saban back. I think, they're a team that doesn't get maybe the credit they deserve. Um, like, I feel like they're a little bit underrated because, and, and this, this might step on some toes here, Davey Portman, but for as much love as the Young Bucks get by a lot of folks, I've always loved the Machine Guns more as a tag team. Like, they've, to me, just been better in ring and better on the mic, particularly when you talk about Alex Shelley than the Young Bucks. Uh, so it's been great to kind of see them back in Impact. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get we'll get uh, some really great matches between the North and the Machine Guns. And I, I hope that this isn't the, the last we'll see of, of uh, Shelly and Saban in Impact. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you there. I, I thought the match was really solid, but I liked the angle taking Shelley out of the match and I thought Chris Saban did such a good job as playing that kind of defending champion in peril against all these guys. But so much I love about the machine guns are their 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 tag chemistry together and mm. unfortunately with Shelley being out of the match you didn't get any of that and for me would have made the match better because those guys are just so exciting to watch and you're kind of robbed it 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 felt a weird decision for me to take Shelly out of this. And like people were questioning in the, in the YouTube chat room, it's like, Oh, well maybe he's injured. Well, if he's injured, you're not taking a butterfly pile driver on the stage. Are you? <laughs> um, That's not the safest, the safest move to take. If you hurt. No, you just lie on the floor backstage and have the cameramen running towards you and go, I don't know what happened. Yes. That's what you do, but um, still a very solid match. But I did for me, it, it lacked Alex Shelley for me. I thought it would have yeah, been a, yeah. a shade better. That, that's that's true. And like I will say though, like they did get me on the finish because I I thought Saban was going to make the save. So like in in that respect, like they actually fooled me. And it's like you know I've like like I've been watching this for a while, Davey. I've been watching this back when it was TNA. And so <laughs> the fact that they actually got me to bite on that, like uh, I, I I give them credit for it and. Like we can we can have worse things in the north as the dastardly heel champion. So I, th- I think uh, the chase the chase should be fun with the machine guns getting back in contention. I think so, and also you set up stories with the Good Brothers as well because they used mm. the title against Anderson, I believe, so they can feel cheated uh, yep. too. So booking wise, it's great because you're coming out with this with lots of options you can do with this this north title run. We see Johnny Bravo. Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary backstage. Havoc comes in looking super stressed, super scared because she knows what she has to do. And (laughs) Rosemary goes off with her. You know what they're doing, Nate? They're just going to go and resurrect James Mitchell. (laughs) 
Uh, this, like, what to talk about in the women's title match? But the fact that we have to acknowledge this stuff as canon in the world of Impact Wrestling, like. James Mitchell was murdered, and he has to be resurrected from the undead realm. Like, these aren't, this, this wasn't a dream. This wasn't, you know, some else worlds. This actually happened in the canon, in the main oh, yeah. storyline of Impact Wrestling. <laughs> God forbid they break out into song, though, eh? That's just a step too far. <laughs> that's just a step too far. No, but resurrecting <sighs> a, a murdered man, that that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> So we have Taya and Bravo. Taya's asking Bravo if he's told her about all these crazy wedding plans he's got. He's apparently kind of hiring unicorns and all this crazy stuff. And she's just mm. a bit worried because she doesn't think Rosemary will necessarily want all that. And Bravo says, look, you told me I should be my own man. And that's what I'm doing. And when Rosemary's married to me, she'll do what I say. Dude, come on. See, I didn't know. Like, I was, I was a bit confused by this, by this, Davey. Like, is this the real Bravo, or was he playing Two Face? Like, what, what was oh. going on here? So, I mean, the story's always been he's kind of been Tyre's bitch, if you will, and just showing no backbone. And he started to develop that backbone, and Tyre's kind of let him free, and now he's just turning. Into a real dick, it seems. Who's going to so, just so be he's controlling the his woman? To her EC three, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but weddings are always fun, and I believe that's this week on Impact, or maybe the week after. But I, come on, weddings in wrestling, weddings, undead realms, wrestling—it's it, all good. It's all fun and games. Now we go to the match that I was looking forward to the most all night: the knockouts title, Diana Parazzo versus Kylie Ray. We get a big video package before the match. Diana comes out first with Kimberly and then Kylie Ray's music hits, but she doesn't come out. Mm. And Diana grabs the mic and she goes, huh, I'm not surprised. So I'm going to defend against any man or woman alive. Come out, come out, take your shot. It's an open challenge. And Sue Young returns. We've seen Susie who had her arm broken by Diana, and she's been kind of morphing back into Sue Young over the last few weeks. But Sue Young returns to challenge Diana Prazo. Before we get into the match, this was really weird, right? Yeah. Like this, this is a match that I was looking forward to, you know, because I thought they've told a really good story with Kylie Ray. And so the fact that they switched it at the last moment without even telling us or giving us an explanation or giving, you know, they, they, they could have even gone on Twitter and like said, Hey guys, this is what's happening. The fact that they didn't say anything, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And if I'm somebody out there that paid for this show, looking for that match, like, yeah, obviously the old cliche card subject change, but that feels like a bad faith move by Impact uh, to not say anything before the show if if they knew ahead of time that she wasn't going to be performing tonight. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you, especially this year, right? It's 2020. Yep. People expect things to happen. Um, and wrestling fans are going to be way more forgiving than they used to be if you announce on Twitter during the day, look, 
Kylie Ray's got to pull out of the match for whatever reason it is. Um, people are more accepting now because we see this. Like we we saw it this week on on AEW Dynamite with Joey Janela pulling out, and then next week yeah. Pentagon stepping in for Phoenix. Like these things happen. It's a physical sport, and we've got we're in a pandemic, so things are going to happen. Brian Alvarez reported that um, Kylie Ray was kept off the show due to. Uh, an injury that isn't considered serious, but there aren't any other mm. details from that. But I'm completely with you. I was taken out of this completely because um, they kind of did the bait and switch thing. And I think if you you then hype it up, oh, we're doing an open challenge, right? And then you can start speculating yeah. who's gonna it gonna be, and you've got that interest going in. But to to play the whole video beforehand, hyping up yep. the match, and then pulling it it left a bad taste in my mouth and actually took me out of the match right until the last kind of few minutes. It was very odd. So Sue Young is back and she starts uh, just attacking Deonna. There's a backbreaker on the ring apron. Sue Young takes uh, Deonna down with head scissors. Then Deonna Perazzo starts getting back into it and is trying to manipulate the arms. Obviously her finisher uh, is the Fujiwara arm breaker which she's actually broken the arm of Susie before. Um, Diona locks in some kind of neck submission with her legs to Sue Young. We then get uh, Sue Young placed in like the, the paradise lock, essentially in the bottom rope. So she's all caught up and Perazzo drop kicks her to the outside. Sue Young comes back with the DDT and both women are down. We get a Luthez press from Sue Young followed by, up by a series of punches and both women now look exhausted. Sue Young sets Diona up, sat on a chair on the outside and kicks her in the face. We get a pedigree in the ring from Sue Young. And then she pulls out her gross, <laughs> undead, dirty glove. I don't... Does she have a name for this? This this isn't Mr. Socko. This isn't the Cobra. But I don't know what you call this in, but... A gross glove from the depths of hell. Yes. We have both the referees backed in the corner. Both are charging at each other. They tease the ref bump about three times. And eventually Diona hits a pump kick, knocking out the ref. Sue Young hits the dude buster and goes for the pin. But the referee's down. And then Kimberly interferes with one of the weakest chair shots I've ever seen to Sue <laughs> Young. They set the chair up on Sue Young's arm. Deonna climbs to the top, jumps off, but Sue Young's able to get out of the way. She hits the mist to Kimberly, sending her to the outside, and then gets the mandible claw onto Perazzo. But Perazzo transitions it into a Fujiwara arm bar, and we have the mandible claw applied at the same time. They both break the hold. We get a stunner from Sue Young. Followed by the panic switch. One, two, three. And Sue Young is your new knockouts champion. Mm, yeah, this... Like like we said, Davey, the setup was not great. In fact, the setup was insulting to people that, that bought this show. But I feel like, all that aside, if we're just looking at the match itself, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, you know, I really got in, like you said, you know, particularly when you talk about that finishing sequence, I thought there were some uh, really uh, cool moves. Like when, like you said, when when uh, Deanna Peraza put 
Su Young tied her up in like a pretzel in the ropes. I thought that was a cool move. Um, I feel like I don't know if I would have made the switch though. That's the only thing. Like I, I like it was in the moment I enjoyed it. It here's the thing, David Portman. Like this match, I feel was like you know when you spend money on like a forty ounce of of some cheap beer or four loco or something like that. In the moment when you're drinking the beer, in the moment when you're drinking that four loco, it's fun, David Portman. You're having a wonderful time. But the minute you finish that can of that bottle, you sit there and you're like, huh, was it worth, was it, worth <laughs> it? Did did the enjoyment outweigh the pain that I'm now going to have to uh, endure? And and for this match, like, yeah, it was a cool moment to have Sue Young come out. And, uh, you know, I thought her and Deanna had a really good match. But at the end of the day, it feels like you've leapt two or three pages ahead in the story that you were telling, you know, because I think, I do think Deanna would have lost tonight because my prediction was Kylie was going to win. And then we'd have that friction between Kylie and Susie. Mm. Uh, and so I think eventually we would have gotten to this point, but without the Kylie component, it feels a bit hollow. Yeah. I I'm with you. I'm with you completely. I think, uh, I was taken out of the match for a good few minutes just from the kind of bait and switch. And then I started to get into it. And I, I think both women did work pretty hard. And it was, I assume, quite a last minute thing, the, the kind of change around. So I, I thought they worked a good match under the circumstances. And the problem is they've been building this Susie turning back to Sue Young for quite mm-hmm. a while. And then you've had the whole arm being broken story that, when Sue Young eventually makes her big return, she should have a a big win from it. And obviously you weren't going to do that tonight, but they were kind of backed into a corner. And I, if you had Sue Young make a big return and then just lose, it kind of derails that. But I definitely think there's more in Deonna as your champion. Um, it, it was just very strange. It And the whole kind of watch along, they felt the same. It just left a, a bad taste in our mouth. And, I think you're right. They're just going to skip ahead and probably go straight to this uh, this and Kylie the, feud as and when yeah, she's Yeah, the crazy back. thing, the crazy thing is, Davey, like that locker room, that women's locker room, is so stacked with mm. talent. They could have literally picked anybody. You know, uh, Rosemary would yeah. have been a good match. Kira Hogan would have been a good match. Uh, Havoc would have been a good match. Like there are at least five. Or, like if Madison Rain had her working boots on, that could have been a good little match. You know, they, there's a bunch of ways they could have gone rather than give away this big moment or what should have been a big moment. You know, the having Sue Young return. I I, I completely agree with you, one hundred percent. After the match, they announced that the Knockouts Tag Team titles are going to be coming back. Uh, yes. This is something I actually wrote in my report this week that I think they should bring tag titles to the women's division. Because as you said, this division is stacked. Um, I think uh, you just mentioned Kira Hogan. She's someone I'm a huge fan of. I think her and Tasha Steeles are great together. But they're, they're like a team that could do with some tag titles to go for. Yep. You've got Havoc and Nevea there. You've got Tyre and Rosemary. Um, I think this is a great idea. And I think we'll just help this women's division, which is 
Like you could argue it, it's as good or better than NXT's women's division. I think they've got such a good mm-hmm. roster here. Yeah, definitely one of the most uh, talent-laden women's divisions out there. And and I feel like, you know, Josh Josh Matthews flub aside, saying that these titles were coming in January of 2020, uh, which I, I, I forgive him that, that mistake because I do feel like most of us wish we could rewind to January of this year <laughs> and, and do some things differently. Uh, but I think, like, yeah, there's, there's real potential here uh, for this division. And... You know, even uh, somebody like Deanna Peraza, like if if they don't immediately insert her back into the knockouts title picture, her and uh, uh, blanking now. Yes, her and Kimberly uh, could be a fun little little duo to throw in that mix. So yeah, like I'm I'm glad they're giving the women something um, something more here because yeah, it it is a lot of spaces for a lot or a lot of uh, talent to be just going for that one title. So this will give them more opportunities and, and more chances to be on TV. Absolutely. Uh, I did actually quite enjoy Josh Matthews flub. I thought his save was great. So he was advertising the next pay-per-view, which is hard to kill on January 16th, 2021. And he said, I misspoke and said 2020 because this is the year that just won't end. <laughs> I feel you there, Josh. I feel you. We go to the main event of the evening. It's the Impact World Championship. Rich Swan challenging Eric Young for the title. This match starts with Eric, who is just targeting that ankle that has been just attacked repeatedly over the, the last few months. He keeps kind of leaping to grab the ankle, but Swan is leaping over him, diving out of the way. We get Swan with this just crazy somersault, followed by a Hurricane Rana sending Young to the outside. We then get a chop exchange on the outside. Swan hits a somersault dive to Young. We get a back body drop from Young and Rich lands on the top of his head on the apron. This spot was nuts. So you had Rich Swan charging at Eric Young, who hits the classic back body drop. And Swan just landed head first on the apron. Um... It mm. it looked like he did it safe, like he protected with, like, did more of a headstand. Um, but I've never seen this before. I thought this was a great spot. Yeah, and that's that's another one where, like, again, like, great selling by Rich Swan because I I winced at that one. I'm like, oh, every like every time Rich Rich Swan, like, I think he's and it's it might be a quality that I haven't noticed with Rich uh, until this latest feud with Eric Young, but he's. He's got some Ricky Steamboat in him in, in the way that he's able to make you feel like he's actually going through some pain. Yeah, it, yeah, his selling was fantastic. And just after this moment, he's kind of selling the neck as well as the ankle, which obviously you've got Eric Young, whose finisher is the pile driver. It kind of plays perfectly into that. They start fighting on the top rope and Young goes for this kind of wheelbarrow move, which... I thought Swan countered into a neck breaker, but then Young had the advantage after it. It got a bit confusing for me here. Um, it's all Eric Young now just targeting that neck and targeting the ankle. He's shouting, go away to Swan. <laughs> hits another neck breaker and then hits this spike. It's like a Death Valley driver, but spiking him on his head. Looked crazy from Young to Swan. And just Young is chatting more like trash he's calling out scott Demore, saying this is your fault you did this and then we had swan just 
not going down, eating these right hands from Young. And one of these right hands caught him right in the mouth. And you see Swan gets rocked and just blood starts being spat out of his mouth. I think he, it looked like he lost a tooth or maybe even swallowed a tooth here because he was really struggling and was trying to kind of spit up some of this blood and crap that was in his mouth. Looked really nasty here for Swan. Yeah, like I thought that, man, both of these guys worked really hard. And the fact that, again, on a show with so many kind of uh, injuries, both real and uh, staged, uh, like I thought, I, I'm like, come on, guys, can we just can we just get through the match? Can yeah. we not? Can we not add any, anybody else to the uh, disabled list? But uh, yeah, like I, I really liked a lot of the fire that we saw from Rich Swan. I think you, I think you were just about to go into the finishing sequence because, like the 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 comeback that Rich had was was really great, and I felt like the like the final two to three minutes of this match were pitch perfect. Uh, 100%. 100%. You have uh, Swan coming back with a runner off the top rope, goes for a frog splash and gets a two count. They're then fighting on the top rope. Swan is setting Young up for a superplex, but Young bites him in the head, knocking him down and follows up with his elbow dro drop, but to the back of the neck of Swan. Mm. He goes for a pin, but then transitions the pin into a cross face, just yanking back on that injured neck of Swan. Swan manages to make it to the ropes. Both men look exhausted. They start trading blows, and this is where Swan begins to fire up. Every punch to the face he eats, he starts to smile and get more and more worked up, and then just explodes. He hits this roundhouse kick, goes for a handspring, but gets caught in a torture rack and hit with the TKO. We get a wheel kick, which is missed, and Young catches him with the heel hook locked in the centre of the ring, but Swan makes it to the ropes. Young starts shouting, I will get that ankle, Rich! Goes for the pile driver, but Swan catches him with a stiff sidekick to the head. We get this, I don't know what you call it, he hits his kind of cartwheel into just this flipping splash on Eric Young. Looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. Don't know how he did it on a messed up ankle, but look great. Swan <laughs> goes to the top, but Young knocks him off, getting him into Tree of Woe. And as his legs are caught on the top rope, he's just wrenching on Swan's ankle across the steel turnbuckle. But Swan manages to sit back up, hits a cutter, Hits a springboard cutter, followed up with a phoenix splash. One, two, three. Rich Swan is your new champion. You're right. The, the last couple of minutes of this match were awesome. From Swan just firing up. His selling was fantastic throughout the match. And a great finish. Uh, what were your thoughts here? Oh, I, I loved it. Like, I thought that... Uh... Like, it started off kind of slow and methodical, but once they got into that next gear, uh, the, it really started to take off. I think Eric Young was doing some really nice heel work here. Uh, you know, it, it kind of flashed me back to WrestleMania, uh, in particular the Charlotte Flair-Rhea Ripley match, where you could hear, like, the insults coming from Charlotte. And we got that from from Eric Young here. And... Like like you said, that comeback from Swan, from Swan when he fired up. Uh, like I think my favorite part of the sequence was 
when uh, EY got whipped into the ropes and he tried to do the Ric Flair deal where, you know, you flip over and he runs to the other turnbuckle and Rich just ran to the other turnbuckle with him and just yanked him off. And it was like, yeah, like it, it, the match ended the way it needed to. And unlike impact wrestling shows of years past where they would have found a way to have EY win so they could continue the story. They did the right thing here and pulled the trigger and put the belt on Rich Swan, ending the story, and you had this really cool, feel-good moment for a guy that has been through a lot. And so, yeah, like I think as a wrestling fan, like this was a cool match, but then, you know, as a fan particularly of uh, Rich Swan, like I was really happy for him. Yeah, they, they did the right thing putting the title on Swan. I agree with you with the beginning of the match. I was kind of, kind of checked out. The problem is, you see on AEW, you see on WWE, there's some kind of crowd there, whether it be yes. Performance Center, other wrestlers, whatever. I think you should have had... Th- the story lends it to it as well, that the roster should be out there mm, yep, cheering on Rich yep. Swan. Because the problem is, the beginning of this match, it was fine work, but it was Eric Young working that really methodical pace which is, it's heat-seeking. But you don't have a crowd there to draw any heat mm-hmm. from. So you don't have that kind of... that willing Rich Swan to, to be able to fight back. And it, it really made the first kind of 10 minutes of this match really quite dull. But you also needed that for when Swan does his fire-up. The pace so drastically changed that it made it super yep. exciting. And... You had the whole roster come out to kind of celebrate with Swan and put him on his shoulders and everything, which was beautiful. Great ending. But this is a guy who, Eric Young, what? He's tried to take out Scott Demore. He's tried to take out Eddie Edwards. Mm-hmm. He's taken out, tried to take out Alicia Edwards. The whole roster should hate this guy. And I think to just be round the ring and banging on the apron and willing Swan on would have made this feel different from the rest of the show. And... I think added mm. so much to this match. Yeah, we needed the Lost Boys around the we ring. We did, yeah. <laughs> I like this is the match where where I'd pull out the Pollock provision. Where yeah, this is a match that was hurt because we didn't have a crowd here. Uh, but that being said, like I thought that they did a great job of making Rich Swan look like a guy that belonged in this match. Look like a guy that belonged to that top level. My only complaint is at the very end, like you said. Davey, they brought out the uh, they brought out the locker room and, you know, they lifted Rich up on the shoulders. But as soon as Rich is up there holding the belt up high, we we cut. I felt like they could have let that breathe for a bit and like just just sit with the moment for a while and, 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 and let it soak in for at least, you know, another 30 seconds or so. But it felt like it cut off a bit too abruptly. Yeah, and the sh- they had time. The show finished at, I think, 10 to 11. So they still had some yep. time where they could have celebrated and, you know, maybe get the confetti out. It's the it's the Super Bowl of Impact Wrestling, yeah, Nate. Where's yeah, my confetti? confetti? Like, we needed, because uh, the, the, the person I was looking for was Willie Mack. Because, you know, they had the connection. Like, we should have at least seen Rich and Willie. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I think, like, you see a bit of Willie Mack's head and his hand behind Rich Swan, but that's all you get. You know, and I think they should have had that moment of those two, uh, you know, connecting after this big moment. Absolutely. 
overall, what were your thoughts on the show? I, I kind of feel nothing was terrible, but there were just some weird, very weird moments, uh, like the Shelley being taken out of the match, the, the bait and switch with Kylie Ray. Mm. Um, even just the beginning of this main event felt a bit off as well. Um, not a bad show, but just maybe a bit underwhelming from looking at this card on paper. Yeah, well, not only underwhelming from looking at this card on paper, Davey, but also looking at the track record of Impact over the last two years, where they've really kind of stepped their game up and been really consistent in in a way that they haven't in years past. Uh, I, I'll go back to my financial advice that you know that I'm like I'm talking to follow by here. I go back to my financial advice when I evaluate this show. Was it a forty dollars show? Was it worth your forty dollars? I can't. I can't really say that it was, Davey, but is it worth, you know, paying the nine or ten bucks, whatever it is for Impact Plus when this show goes up, in, you know, in a few weeks or a month or whenever it goes up? Absolutely, because I think that the main event, the tag title match and even the women's match, once you get over Susie, uh, or excuse me, Sue Young replacing Kylie Ray, those are all solid. I thought the opening match, the Cruiserweight. Uh, the X Division match, I thought that was solid. Uh, in between, there's a lot of filler, but it's not terrible filler. It's just not to the level of where Impact's been lately. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend, you know, buying the replay. I'd say wait, wait a few weeks, save your money, and, and catch it on Impact Plus. Absolutely. But I, I do recommend watching Impact if if you're looking for that other wrestling show, because I think quietly they've been they've been pretty good over the last few months or, or a couple of years as you said i think undead realm and stuff aside it's it's pretty logical their booking which <laughs> isn't something you can say about a lot of companies you can see oh, the yes, direction yes. they're let's, going let's, let's go back let's go back there one second davy because i forgot to mention that during the women's title match the fact that josh matthews is here addressing madison rain his wife who i don't i don't know if they, they've uh, they've made that public in storyline but uh so he's he's talking to madison about being in the uh, dead realm <laughs> and we're we're to be taking this as a serious journalistic question from josh matthews and it's like like i i, I get what they were going for you know they were trying to recreate the magic of the hardy universe uh but it never quite happened. And that's like going back to my Simpsons analogies from earlier. That should have been like Poochie. Like let Poochie go back to his planet and we never speak of him again. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. I, I am looking forward to that undead wedding though. I, I got to admit it. They beat me down. I've, I'm so critical on like wrestle house and the undead realm, <laughs> but eventually I just gave up. It's, it's here to stay. And you just got to accept it. Uh, before yeah, we... I didn't mind Russell House just because <laughs> of the times that we're in. Like if 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 this were a normal year, Davy, I would not have any patience for Russell House. But given that we're in a pandemic, I'm like, oh, okay. I guess it is what it is. <laughs> as as a a world leader once said famously recently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question before we go to feedback. Uh, is this the first time a uh, husband and wife have both won the world title on the same night? It might be 
because I don't I, unless Triple H and Stephanie pull that off one time, but I I don't think so. So like this is again that that was another point that I'm glad you brought up, Davey, because I had it written down. Like the fact that you know Rich Young or Rich Young, Rich Swan has been through some things. Like Sue Young's been through some stuff too, and so the fact that like they both have kind of grown from that incident and now get to have this moment together. Like it's, I think that's really cool just on a, on a human level. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it, it goes to your other point about maybe ending the show too early. I know it doesn't really fit the Sue young character, mm-hmm. but sometimes mm-hmm. it's also like, just fuck it. Just have them together. Cause it's a lovely moment, you know? Right. So that's what we thought about bound for glory. 2020 but it's time to find out what you thought uh we did put up feedback on the post wrestling forum and we've got a a couple of pieces on there uh nate do you have the forum open or do you want me to go ahead i do have the forum open okay do you want to kick things off okay let's let's start with gerard First off, really happy for Rich Swan winning the title. He deserves it and has been the best and most consistent worker on Impact since joining the company. I thought the main event was the best match of the show. However, I thought it should have been more back and forth instead of Eric Young just controlling it for a long stretch. The rest of the show definitely brings to mind the old LOL TNA meme. Bait and switches and a need to get as many Roster members on the show with stuff like six-person scrambles and gauntlet matches that weren't very good. Well, to be fair, and I'm editorializing here, like, to be fair, like, this is their quote-unquote WrestleMania, and the WWE does the same thing. Like, everybody, everybody's trying to get that payday. Yeah, especially during I these times. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't, I don't blame him for that. Uh, uh, he continues, I really enjoyed Deanna Perrazzo versus Sue Young until the ref bump which totally took me out of the match. Chris Sabin put in a hell of a performance in the tag team four-way, but why did we need a tag team four-way when Motor Machine Guns and the North have been having great matches on TV already? This was the worst Impact pay-per-view in quite some time. I think they have a pretty good roster, but the overbooking really hurts them. Hmm. I think I probably enjoyed this over Slammiversary, personally. Um, Mm. Yeah. But uh, there are definitely some gripes there that people have, which are understandable because there were, there were, it wasn't a 10 out of 10 for me. We go to Eric. Overall, a very poor show and probably the worst pay-per-view of the Don Callis era. A disappointing scramble, a long and boring gauntlet, an awful cinematic match, Heath getting injured, no Alex Shelley, technical issues at the start of the show, and then the most anticipated match not happening brought back memories of the old TNA. Hopefully Kylie Ray is okay, but it's indefensible for Impact to promote that match literally up until Kylie's music played and then give no explanation. The only saving grace was a fantastic main event between Swan and Young with the right result. Impact needs to make a strong baby face and Swan has the potential to be that if they can put him in some good fuse with people like Ace Austin, Willie Mack and Josh Alexander. I would worry, however, if they have him up against people like Shamrock and Rhino, neither of whom looked good tonight. I think just going back briefly to the Kylie Ray thing, I think what was mm-hmm. so weird about it was commentary just didn't talk about it at all. And yeah. it's very odd for your big baby face challenger to just not come out <laughs> with no explanation. That's 
if it's a heel going for it, that's kind of okay. You just, nah, didn't fancy the match. But they didn't bring it up at all on commentary, as far as I was aware, like Kylie Ray's whereabouts or whatever. Right. Even if it's to make something up kayfabe-wise, because you don't want to disclose whatever's going on. Just seems like very you said, like the, the, the audacity of running the running the package beforehand. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go that far, then you at least owe your audience a legitimate... Like you like you said, you don't have to tell them the truth, truth, but at least give them a reasonable-sounding explanation as to why she's not uh, performing. Absolutely, 100%. Well, that was Bound for Glory 2020. Uh, Nate, it's been a pleasure doing a show with you again. Uh, would love to do one again in the future. Hey... Maybe we can get you on that Batman Forever review down the line and talk some more about Tommy Lee Jones and Sugar and Spice and all things nice. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts, Nate, before we say goodbye? No, this this was fun, Davey. Like, uh, again, like TNA or, or Impact, you know, it's, it's this is a company that has history, as, as EC3 said, you know, in the Fight Club. You know, this is a company that has had a lot of talented workers come through the doors, even when the company was struggling, you can't deny that, you know, there've been some really good workers in this company. And so like this show tonight was, wasn't the greatest show I've ever seen. It wasn't the greatest impact show that I've seen over the past two years. Cause I feel like, you know, they've had some really, really high marks over the past couple of years. And this just wasn't there. But again, we're living in a time where, Nothing is as good as it was a year ago. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, happy for Rich Swan. Uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, you know Ken Shamrock is still out here getting checks, uh, <laughs> and I'm glad I'm glad that The Rock made his Impact Wrestling debut. Like that, that should be the headline. That's like I, I don't know if John Pollock is finished writing the update, but that should be the headline. That Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, in a, in a in a setting that I'm sure was not the same setting he used to tape that uh, endorsement for Joe Biden. I'm sure it was a different day, but Dwayne, the rock Johnson showed up on impact wrestling. And that's what we should all take away from this. Anything can happen in 2020, Davey Portman. Absolutely. Speaking of the rock, when is your next Rocky Maivere picture show? And what will you be talking about? Mm, my next Rocky Maivere picture show will be out next week next saturday so a week from the time you're listening to this unless you're listening to this on sunday or monday uh but this saturday halloween we will be having a uh, great episode of the uh, the rocky by the picture show featuring myself and uh jen chittenden uh she is a she is not a wrestling fan but she is a uh, fan of uh classic Greek literature, which is why I needed her expertise for this particular episode, Davey Portman, because we are going to be reviewing Hercules. Oh, boy. So, yes, this is this was a, a movie. I'd never seen Hercules before we uh, did the review. So uh, you'll get to hear me and Jen talk about uh, how how crazy the uh, story is, how uh, close the story sticks to the actual Greek mythology and whether or not uh, Rocky pulls it off. So uh, Hercules will be out on uh, Saturday, October 31st. So before you do your virtual trick-or-treating, you can check out the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Wonderful. And tomorrow I'll be back on youtube.com forward slash up next for a live watch along of Hell in a Cell 
It's sure to be a lot of fun. I love doing these watch-longs. Please come and say hello and join in with us. And then, of course, John and Way will be back tomorrow night with their post-show for Hell in a Cell. Subscribe to Up Next as well. We've got a lot of shows coming up this week, including a free review of Halloween 3 that will be dropping on Halloween, as well as our usual NXT review. And this week it's Halloween Havoc, where we'll be doing a live watch-along as well. YouTube.com forward slash Up Next. But there's going to be a Zoom call that you can join in with. The only rule is you've got to be in costume. Braden and I are going to be in costume. Come join us for our watch long <laughs> Wednesday night, Halloween Havoc. And check out everything going on our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash up next. We've just done our best match ever of this year's G1. Next week, we're going to be doing our top five mm. spooky moments in wrestling with John Ceno Evil and Stephanie Chase from Digital Spy. Only five bucks gets you those shows, plus over 200 in our back catalogue. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Davey Portman, and follow at Up Next Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and the Facebook group. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Nate, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me in the early hours of the morning all about Impact Wrestling. No problem, Davey. Now, if you don't mind... Uh... I'm about to be carried out of this arena and, uh, you know, you, you can now go be the podcaster that I always knew you could be, Davey. Lost <laughs> Boys, let's go. Let's go. I'm controlling my narrative. Goodbye. Be safe. Take care. Ahoy!